What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am Luke, joined by Abe. How are you doing, Abe? I'm doing good. good. Trying to finish up my Christmas shopping. Yeah, yeah, I heard. How did you like your, your PDQ? It was pretty good. Yeah, I've never pretty had good. it before. Well, until you gave me that chicken nugget. Yeah. It was good, though. It, it reminded me a little bit of Chick-fil-A. It's the same kind of, like... High quality fast food. Yeah, so, although like, I would say the PDQ was better than the Chick Fil A nuggets I had. So you think so? I think so. I don't know if you can beat Chick Fil A's zesty barbecue or excuse me the uh, the buffalo sauce. The buffalo sauce they have. I should have given you some. I got two little containers of it in the kitchen. Mm, next time. Okay, so uh, let's get down to brass tacks. Uh, we don't have any discussion topics this week. I, I had a couple, but they were like they were dumb. They were filler items, um, and it feels like we got enough like news items that we can fill out an entire, you know, forty minutes or so. So uh, let's get right into it. Um, after snapping their second losing their second eight game losing streak of the season, the Blackhawks have gone four one and one since then. Uh, I think they're now. They're on a three-game win streak right now, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, they are... Where are they? I'm trying to load the standings. They are 27th in the league now. They um, they were sitting at 30th for a little while, and then with the last couple of wins, they leapfrogged over Arizona, St. Louis, and New Jersey. Uh, so... Uh, they're also seven points out of the second wildcard spot in the West. So now... We need to make a decision. Are we rooting for the Hawks to draft Jack Hughes or Capocaco? Or are we re- rooting for the Hawks to slip into the, the wild card and uh, make the playoffs? Yeah, you know what? I feel like they might have hit a turning point. I think they might have started to figure some things out. I mean, granted, they played the last two wins. Again, Color- actually, two of the... Three wins in the win streak have been impressive because you got Colorado and mm-hmm. Nashville, which we went to. Yeah. And against Nashville, they looked great. They they really did. Nashville is currently sitting at fifth in the league. Uh, holy shit. It's been a while since I looked at the top of the standings. Uh, Nashville's 46 points, which I figured would be probably like second or third in the league. Um but they're 10 whole points behind Tampa. Tampa's sitting Whoa. at 56 points. Uh, second place is Toronto at 48. So, like, uh, Tampa's looking to have a really good regular season here. Once again, you know, they always do. And then they always make, like, the conference finals at, or so. And then, you know, they're, they're out late. Uh, they kind of got that Washington Capitals thing going lately, where they, they do really well in the regular season and then they disappear for the playoffs for the most I, part. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I want to say that they disappear cuz they they'll well no, they've been solid the last few years in their playoff runs. Yeah, you know, they'll make it to like the conference final or you know, they made it to the Stanley Cup final in uh 2015. I hear that they faced a really t- a really tough team that year. Um so they didn't quite pull it off. Uh Actually, I guess we can't say that about Washington anymore. Um given what just happened uh yeah last season last season winning the cup and all that was that was a great cup final like i 
I could barely stand to watch the 2017 Cup Final because it was Pittsburgh who was looking to go back-to-back and Nashville who had just swept the Hawks, embarrassed us as the second wildcard team sweeping the best in the West, uh, division rivals. It, it, was, it was not... I, I couldn't get behind either team. Uh, I distinctly remember it was like double overtime or something like that and um, uh, Pittsburgh scored that game winner... Uh, against Ottawa to advance to the Stanley Cup final for the second year in a row. Oh yeah, and Ottawa was like the last team that I even like remotely wanted to win. Because uh, who who did Nashville beat out in the conference final? Was it the Ducks? I think it was the Ducks. I think it was, yeah, I think it was the Ducks. Yeah, because Anaheim beat Edmonton in the second round. Um, sorry, I was sipping my soda. Uh, usually I've got like some bourbon or something here, but I just, just soda today. I was, um, I was working on my Christmas cocktail earlier. It's a, a cranberry bourbon with like some, some rosemary and sage, uh, garnishes. That's the word. Uh, it, was, it turned out really well. It turned out really well. But, um, that, the, the two ounces of bourbon on top of, uh, the bagel I had for breakfast and nothing else, uh, fucked me up a little bit. So... <laughs> So I'm taking it a little bit easy, um, but maybe maybe later I'll have some. Uh, I got I got some uh, some manchego cheese, and uh, I might. I found that it goes really well with like an Isla Scotch. They're really you know, it's a really smoky whiskey and a smoky cheese. They go really well together. Um, Mel's going out later, so I'm probably gonna play some uh, some Horizon Zero Dawn and uh, snack on some cheese. Nice. Um, We've gotten way off the topic of hockey. Uh, or I have, rather. You're just sitting there listening to me talk about cheese. Um, uh, next next item. Um, the, the Hawks have been plagued with concussions lately. Um, so, um, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting the timestamps in here because otherwise I need to go back and listen to the episode again. Um... All right, so lots of concussions lately. First of all, we got Anisimov, um, who... Came back. Yeah, he, he actually since has come back since our last podcast. He, uh, he underwent concussion protocol after a hit from Shea Weber and has since returned, and uh, he seems to be doing all right. Yeah, he scored last um, night, so... Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good example of how sometimes concussions aren't that bad. They make you better. <laughs> it's a... Well, I mean, he's been a solid player all season, but... Um, uh, we also got Marcus Kruger. He took an elbow to the face from Ryan Hartman of the Predators. Uh, and no we t- could see the blood from the 300 level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Abe and I were actually at that game. Uh, there was blood all over the ice. It was, it was, it, it was, was crazy. crazy. I, I'm sure a lot of you guys watched that game. Um, you probably had a better view of the blood than we did. Uh, no timetable for Kruger to come back. Uh, and then, uh, the, the worst... Uh, of the three is uh, uh, Corey Crawford. He underwent another uh, concussion protocol uh, after colliding with Dylan Strom, who was pushed into him in the crease by Evander Kane. No timetable for Crawford to return. Uh, this one is especially concerning, given Crawford's history with concussions. He was out for the last... Uh, he, he was out... It was almost ten a year months, ago. Yeah. yeah, 10 months without playing a game with the Hawks. Uh, recovering from his last concussion. Uh, 
it was it was like a week shy of a year to the day or something like that. Um, yeah, and that one was to the back of the head too. <clears throat> this most recent one, so yeah, his it head got pushed. Good. Got pushed right into the goalpost. So this one's especially concerning. Um, I mean, obviously we're concerned about Kruger too. We don't know how, like, how how well or how poorly he's going to handle the concussion, but. I, I know this is this is not a great thing to say, but Kruger is not as vital to the team as Crawford is, uh, and I know how how bad that sounds. Obviously, we we care a lot about Kruger as a person. Um, he he helped us win two cups. He's a a, a big part of our our success, but uh, it's losing Kruger is it, it hurts. But losing Crawford could be devastating, especially given that there is not a clear replacement for him yet. Although last night, Colin Delia uh, started off his NHL career pretty strong, making a case for himself. Yeah, he made some amazing stops. Uh, do you remember how many saves he had? I think 33 or something like that. 33. It was over 30. And allowed two goals? No, just one. Was it just one? Yeah, he just allowed one. So did we score two goals? Yeah, was it two, two to one? one. All right. Usually, usually I'm more organized than this. But yeah. Um, so Dealey looked pretty good. He's actually... Uh, he's He's been rising through the ranks in the minor leagues. Uh, he's he's probably our best candidate so far as Crawford's long-term replacement. And he's pretty young. I think he's like 24. I'm going to look that up. Colin Delia... Delaney. No. Colin Delia... Come on, type... Uh, age. Yeah, he made 35 saves. 24 years old. Yep. Um, and let's, let's say that, you know, Crawford's concussion this time is not severe at all. Let's say that he comes back within the month and he finishes out the season strong. Crawford's still, like, 34 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, goalies can... Sometimes you got the, the uh, Roberto Luangos who can play really well even into their their late 30s, but... Marty Brodeur. Marty Brodeur. Let's, let's not assume that about Crawford. Um, Although, the one thing I will say that it's concerning about Crawford is this: it's his second concussion in, in just about a year. Mm-hmm. So, not only from, like, a medical standpoint of him his recovery and whatnot, but at the same time... Like, he might end up having to take a look at himself, thinking, like, what age he's in, what how old he is, and, like, the fact that he has a young kid now, too. Yeah. So, I mean, having this second one so, I would say, relatively close to the first one, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he thinks long and hard about yeah his return. Yeah, uh, and if, if he did decide to hang up his skates, I don't think that the... There's a Hawks fan on the planet who would blame him for that. Um, obviously, his his personal health and his family should come before anything hockey-related. Uh, we don't want him to rush his recovery so that he can come back to, uh, to a team that's not even looking like a playoff team. He's got, he's got one year left on his contract after this. Obviously, the Hawks are going to have to... They're gonna to have to find a replacement for him at some point, but it's we we really don't 
we really don't want, you know, we want, we want Crawford to do what's right for himself is, is what I'm saying. Uh, and if that means retiring, then so be it. Obviously this isn't, this is just us like saying that we're not, we don't know that he's going to retire. We don't know how severe his concussion is. There's no timetable for his return yet. Just given his history, it, it could be bad. And if, if he were to, you know, undergo another concussion after this, if he were to come back and then, you know, maybe a year from now, he, he undergoes a third concussion that, that could be really bad for his long-term health. Just talk to Daniel Carcillo, who's really, really vocal about concussions and CTE on Twitter. Like, it's uh, it's it's bad news. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that uh, that video that came out of uh, Carcillo a couple months ago, um, where he was talking about his concussions and his his road to recovery, and he like he's like crying on camera. It's it's really moving. Um, and we don't want. Crawford to have to deal with what uh, what Daniel Carcillo went through. Yeah, because didn't he mention in that video how he's already starting to feel like the repercussions of all the concussions he's had? Like he's already starting to feel like effects of the CTE? Uh, I think he might have. I don't re- recall. Uh, it, it's been a while since I've watched it. I don't... I, I can't... Uh, I don't recall a lot of what he said, but it's uh, it's it's definitely pretty dire, and it's it, it hurt him deeply. Uh, we just we don't want Crawford to have to undergo something similar, right? Um, especially like you said, with a one-year-old kid at home, he's got a family. Uh, some things are more important than playing hockey. Moving on. Uh, Dylan Sakira was recalled from the Ice Hogs. Um, sorry, I'm putting in some more timestamps. Uh, Sakira was recalled from the Ice Hogs. He has gone, uh, he's played six games. He's got two assists and he's, uh, plus zero. Um, I, I feel like when I'm watching the team, I, I, I feel like Sakir is noticeable. I feel like he's he's making plays. He's he's quick. He's handling the puck really well. Maybe the production's not quite there. Uh, it's a small sample size. It's hard to really say, based on what we've seen from him this season, how successful or unsuccessful he might be in the NHL. Um, it's possible that maybe he he is uh, a little bit like Tara Vinen. You know, Tara Vinen didn't have amazing production in the AHL, and a lot of that was because he was playing with guys who didn't think the game on such a high level. Uh, you know, Secure is more of a perimeter player. He's he's not the kind of guy that drives the net. He's he's making plays on the outside. Uh, so I guess, you know, we'll give it time. We'll wait and see if he can add some of that depth scoring that this team really needs. I don't know. What are your thoughts on Secure? You know... Like, I mean, I, he's still young, so obviously he's now going to be getting his development at the NHL level. So I would I could see him improving as the season progresses. Um, like, although I will say, he, like, even in the Nashville game, like, he's really stuck out to me with his speed. Yeah, Like, he is sure. fast. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, he is. I think he's kind of small, too. Um, let me check your uh, height. He's, he's 5'11". Okay, he's a fairly decent size. Yeah. The brain gets definitely smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's 174 pounds, which is not huge. He needs to um, hit that gym. <laughs> yeah, he, he seems like he's probably a little lanky. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what we got from him. Um, moving on. So the, the London Knights have actually posed the idea to the Blackhawks of uh, making Adam Boquist a forward. I guess because his his defensive game still has a lot of gaps, but offensively he's he's clearly quite talented and he's uh, he's far ahead of his contemporaries in that respect. Um, I think the Hawks still want to play him as a defenseman, and I think that he still wants to play as a defenseman. He wants to continue that development and fill those those gaps in his defensive game, uh, get better in his own zone. Um, what do you think about that? What do you think about giving Adam Boquist the uh, the Dustin Bufflin treatment? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it ended up working out for Bufflin in Chicago. <laughs> but, I mean, having him, I mean, I can see it, like, having him be, like, a two-way forward. Yeah. It could work out, especially if he has outstanding, like, like with his defense being pretty good. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know how his, like, hand, like, his puck handling, his stick handling and all that is. You know, one thing that comes to mind is the fact that the Hawks currently have... We've got a lot of really talented defensive prospects. Oh, Mel just texted me. Um, oh, okay. Uh, she's, at, she's at Whole Foods. She's trying to find some, some pasteurized eggs so that I can make uh, eggnog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she couldn't find them, so she's just going to pick up some really high-quality uh, cage-free eggs. So I can make that eggnog and hopefully not give everybody salmonella. <laughs> hopefully. That's the dream. Um, so my thought is, since the Hawks have a lot of these high-end defensive prospects, like uh, Nicholas Bodin, Ian Mitchell, uh, well, I guess Yoki Hardy's not a prospect anymore, but uh, he's he's a young kid. He's you know he's shown a lot of promise. I think he's... Hey, buddy. I think he's... You could probably make a case that... Uh, <laughs> hi, buddy. The the dog is here. I think he's eh, he's got two more hours till dinner time. I don't know what 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 his problem is, but he's very cuddly. Hey, buddy. Um. Uh, you could probably make a case that Yoki Haru is our best defenseman right now. Um, and a little bit more on that later when we talk about him getting shipped off to uh, World Juniors. <clears throat> I don't um, know. Connor Murphy might have something to say about that too. <laughs> maybe I think Murphy's I think Murphy's reliable. Uh. uh Okay, maybe right now. Maybe like, what, 20... How old is Murphy? 24? I have no idea. Connor Murphy, age, erase you. 25. All right, maybe so twenty. Maybe 25-year-old Connor Murphy is better than 19-year-old Henry Jokey, how are you? But, uh... The, I think Yoki Haru definitely has the, the highest ceiling. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Um, actually, what's really interesting is that some of these... Uh, so, Yoki Haru got a lot of attention because he was... Not only did he make camp... Or not only did he make the team out of camp, uh, his, like, his first attempt, but he also... Um, he was a first-round pick. Uh, you got Adam Boquist, who was an early first-round pick. And then uh, Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodan kind of get overlooked because they weren't that first pick. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, the second-rounder or the late first-round pick. Um, but the funny thing is, uh, so, like, we're, we're, we're talking about Boquist right now. He's got, you know, this elite offensive IQ with all these gaps in his defensive game. Uh, but, like, Ian Mitchell is, uh, it's, it's my understanding that he, he might have the highest ceiling of those four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is crazy because he's he's probably the least talked about of the four, um, being the lone second round pick in there. So as good as Yoki Haru is right now, uh, maybe Ian Mitchell makes the team out of camp next season, and maybe he he comes in and he has the same kind of impact that Yoki Haru's had this season. Sorry, I'm trying not to burp. Um, um, hi, buddy. Losing my train of thought here. But uh, my thought there is we've got all these high-end defensive prospects, but uh, after Dylan Sakira, we don't really have a lot in terms of uh, forward prospects, uh, high-end forward prospects. Um, maybe uh, maybe Aidzel, maybe uh, Entwistle, but other than that, we don't have another like Brandon Saad in the system. We don't have another Alex Debrinkit in the system. Uh, so maybe maybe there's an argument to be made uh, to make Yoki Haru, Mitchell, and Bodan your your top three defensemen, and Boquist your um, like your next. Um, I I don't know what offensive player you'd compare his style to, uh, but maybe you make him a forward. And, and I don't know. I don't I'm know. looking at an article talking about Boquist. How in his past seven games he has eight goals and three assists. That's insane. In seven games for a defenseman, and he also so over the twenty two games in this that he's played, he has twenty four points. How many games? In twenty two games. Twenty two twenty four points in twenty two games for a defenseman. That's pretty good. That is. And it says six of the points, three goals, three assists have come on the power play. So it's not even like power play stuff. It's like actual even that, That's five production. on five. That's, that's crazy. So, I mean, like looking at that, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's not a bad idea to experiment with him. Have, like, have him, like, why not let him play as a forward, see what they can develop out of him. But also, if needed, he can be your backup, a backup defenseman. Yeah. I mean, if... I mean, worst case scenario, I guess, is he, he ends up being like a, like a Dustin Bufflin or uh, a Brent Burns who's, like, just a really offensive defenseman. But I could... <clears throat> so you've got... You've already got the other three guys I've been talking about for the last ten minutes. You've got Eric Gustafson, who has just been unleashed this season. He's still got some of those defensive liabilities, but he is... Scoring, he's scoring, yep. He's scoring like a madman. 
Um, he's what? Eight, and, he has eight goals? Something like that. I, I haven't looked at the I stats. Think eight, but, eight or nine goals he has yeah. for the team. Yeah. Uh, if, if you want to pull up his stats real quick, I can I can soliloquy for a minute. Um, uh, but yeah, Gustafson, he's still got... Uh, he, he's he, he's still got some work to do in his own zone, but he's come such a long way since that uh, since that sixteen um, series against St. Louis. Uh, I don't know if if anyone recalls, but he was. Um, I don't really recall the play in question, but I, I think that he was a big part of uh, uh, Troy Brower's um, game winning goal against us. I think that maybe he he had the big turnover or something that led to that goal. Um, that's probably also why he spent uh, a couple of full seasons in the AHL after that. All right, I got it. So in thirty five games played, he has eight goals and ten assists. How many games? Thirty five. Thirty five. Actually, probably the craziest part of about that is that it, he's got twice as many goals as assists. Yeah. Well, which is eight goals, ten assists. So. Oh, is that what you said? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said eight goals, four assists. No, eight and ten. Oh, okay. I mean, it's still pretty good. That yeah, that's really good. That's really he good was a for fourth round pick in twenty twelve. So, yeah. Well, we draft really well. Well, we didn't draft Edmonton. Drafted him. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't realize that he was uh, acquired in a trade. Okay. Um. Yeah. So Gustafson, he's got a lot of potential. Um. Forsling's got potential to be an impact guy. So I'm going to close the door real quick. Uh, the wife just got home. So, yeah, there's there's five, you know, potentially really reliable impact defensemen right there. And that's not even counting uh, Duncan Keith, who is going to, you know, continue to be a, a fairly reliable contributor for, you know... Uh, for the next couple of years, assuming that maybe you decrease his minutes a little bit, he's, he's, you know, he's still getting old. And then you got Seabrook, of course, who you need to find a spot for in the lineup, and he's going to be playing with the Hawks for the next hundred years. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's something to making Boquist a forward. I I don't know that the Hawks are going to do that per se, but it's. It's possibly a uh, a route that they can pursue. Actually, I think what's far more likely is that is that some of those guys, maybe Gustafson, maybe Forsling, maybe those guys are trade pieces, and we use them to acquire a talented forward. Because what we really need right now is forward depth. Try not to burp again. Sometimes <laughs> some things you just can't fight. Um. So moving on, moving on. Uh, the Blackhawks, in their last game against the Penguins, extended their regular season win streak against them to nine games. The last time that the Penguins have beaten the Blackhawks was uh, March 30th, 2014. Um, in addition, uh, Sidney Crosby has never won a game at the United Center. This is one of my favorite facts, just because it's Crosby. Um... He's never won a game at the United Center. The last time that the Penguins lost a road... Excuse me. The last time that the Penguins won a road game against the Hawks was in 2009 uh, in a game that Crosby did not play in. I assume it was related to injury. I don't really know what the reason was. Uh, the last time before that was in 2003 
where Mario Lemieux had an assist on the only goal of the game. You know, it's funny, like, to- like while we're on the topic of, like, wins and losses, remember that tweet you showed me on Tuesday at the game about what the, the Nashville Nashville's um, Twitter posted about, on this day, the Predators have never won? Yeah. <laughs> and they lost. <laughs> and that they was, still lost. That was weird. I was certain that that uh, streak was going to come to an end. Um, and, oh, my Amazon package was delivered. Hey, babe. Can you grab my Amazon package? Oh, sure. Thank you. We're podcasting. Don't come in. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we are kicking the Penguins' butts, at least in the regular season. I, I imagine that were we to meet them in the Stanley Cup final, it would probably be pretty similar to... Uh, pretty similar to what happens with us in um, Philly. We haven't won a game in Philadelphia since 1996 or something like that. Oh, well, a regular like, season game. A regular season game. We haven't won a regular season game in Philly since 1996. I think it's 96. Sometime in the 90s. It's been over 20 years. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, you all remember 2010. Um, we won the Stanley Cup there in six games. So I think it's worth it. You think it's worth it? 20, yeah. 20 plus year losing streak. In Philly, in exchange for uh, Stanley Cup? Hey, I take it. <laughs> um, like, losing in the regular season to them in Philly, who cares? Yeah. It's those playoff games that matter. I'll take the one write-off loss a year for, uh, for a Stanley Cup victory. The first Stanley Cup that the Hawks won in 49 years, by the way. Um... Jan Ruda has been uh, placed on waivers and sent to Rockford. No one picked him up, shockingly, uh, with his, uh, his $2.25 million cap hit, uh, which I think has been cut in half to $1.125 million? $1.125 I don't know. Um, so he's, he's buried in Rockford. Uh, still not ideal. Um, I, it, it still just blows my mind that Stan Bowman, you know, it, all right, it shouldn't blow my mind that Stan Bowman signed a guy like Jan Ruda, who was not particularly talented and unproven as a reliable defenseman to a two-year, $5 million contract, or $4.5 million contract, um, because he does that kind of thing all the time. He did it with Brandon Manning, who has an identical contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't get rid of Brandon Manning because uh, he is not playing well and other teams are not going to want to trade for him. It, it seems like it'd be kind of the kind of situation where if we wanted to get rid of him, we'd also, we'd also have to give up, like... A, a key piece of the team. Yeah, we'd have to give up, like, like probably Forsling or something. Um, uh, which which might be what it comes down to. It seems to be there that there's a trend of... Stan Bowman signing these guys to deals that later, you know, and then uh, that later come back to bite him in the butt. Like, uh, uh, like Kruger. We traded uh, TBR to get rid of Kruger uh, in the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, we didn't trade uh, TBR, but we, there was a deal made with Vegas uh, to take TBR and Kruger. Um, 
uh, Bickle. We signed Bickle to that that contract. And granted, no one could have seen him having MS coming. Right. But it, it, it... But for essentially what it was for him, like a big... Like a big body for net presence, essentially, is what they paid him for. Yeah, they paid him four million dollars for that. Which and, and they too much. Yeah, and they like for for perspective, uh, Artem Anisimov makes four and a half million. Now, Artem Anisimov can play second line center. And he still is regarded by many to be overpaid. Um, Bickle is, you know, he's like a, a bottom six grinder kind of guy. Uh, of course, everyone loves and remembers him for his game, for his uh, his game tying goal in Game Six against Boston in twenty thirteen, um, which is which is awesome. We love Bickle. He was a key piece of that twenty thirteen Cup, but he didn't deserve a $4 million a year contract, and we had to give up Tabo Terabinen to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And he only had one year left on his contract, if I recall, at the time, right? Mm, no, I think he still had, like, two. I think he still had a couple years. Look that up. Uh, so, yeah, you got that. You got Kruger. Um, uh, we, uh, we got rid of, uh, Vinny Henestrosa in order to get rid of Hosa. Not that I'm saying that we should have never signed Hosa, um, but there's just been a lot of us dealing these, these important pieces. All right. I, I don't know if I'd call Vinny Henestrosa an important piece, but when we're in the midst of a season without depth scoring, then like you kind of miss having a guy around like Vinny Henestrosa or um, Anthony Duclair, who can, you know, put up 10 or 15 goals a season and uh, play, you know, 15 minutes a night on your bottom six. You find that Bickle contract thing yet? Yeah, so it was a four-year, $16 million contract that he signed in... It looked like 2012. Or, no, it went into effect in 2013-2014. So, when did we trade him? I, I forgot. Uh, was it the 15-16 season? It was, yeah, it was after the 15-16 season. It was that off-season. Oh, yeah, because yeah, cause he spent time in the AHL that season, too, right? The last year we had him with the Hawks? Yeah. Yeah, so 15-16. Oh, yeah, so he was in the third year of his... Her, yeah. So, when we traded him, he was entering his uh, fourth year. Okay, so we would have had one year yeah, so left. Yes, we did have one year left. So we got rid of Tavo Teravainen to get rid of one year of Bickle's contract, which... was $4 million. Which we could have, in theory, just kept buried in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Which would have cut its cap hit to, what, $2 million? I have no idea. I, th- I, th- I think it's halved, usually. Um, but I guess he also had a modified no-trade clause, it shows, so... I think that was also part of having trouble to move them or something. Yeah. And I know the cap hit is a, like the, or the salary cap is always, you know, it's a, it's always a bugbear for, for Bowman and the Hawks. It's, it certainly doesn't make things easier. Sometimes you have to move key pieces, important guys that you'd rather keep just to remain compliant. 
Jalmerson wasn't a cat move. Jalmerson was a let's get younger move. Which I still am salty about. I, well, you're salty because you just bought his jersey. Uh, well, right not even, yeah, but just because Jalmerson was one of my favorite players on the team. Yeah, yeah, Jalmerson was, he's a great guy. Well, we're talking, we're talking about him like he's dead or something. He's, he's, uh, he's a great guy. He was a, obviously a, a huge part of that core. He, I feel like he was our true number two defenseman after Keith. Yeah, he but, he played with Keith uh, on that top pairing a lot, didn't he? <clears throat> Tucker, go away. Um, so the dog's trying to get in. Uh, we we let him out and then close the door and now he's trying to get back in. But um, yeah, I I totally understand the. Um, uh, people being upset about the Jalmerson trade. Uh, I think that Murphy is a reliable defenseman. True. Um, definitely not Nick Jalmerson, though. And I, if I were to... If I were to play devil's advocate here and defend Stan Bowman's decision to trade Jalmerson for Connor Murphy, I think what I would say is that Jalmerson, given his his style of play... Uh, like, you know, he blocks like 100 shots a night. Um, given his style of play, he probably is bound to fall off a cliff sometime in the near future. Um, now, Connor Murphy, he's young. He hasn't hit his ceiling yet. Uh, and with when he's with a team like the Hawks that are really good at developing young guys, his ceiling can, you know, his ceiling can arguably be higher than it would have been with Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think of it like, like we're selling high instead of selling low, uh, and we're getting a respectable young defenseman back in Connor Murphy, like, yeah, it's a downgrade, but it's better than if we had just kept Jomerson until he was like 35 and, you know, could like barely keep up with, uh, the opposing teams, uh, if he was like in the same situation as Seabrook is right now, then I think you could you can consider this a win. Again, I totally understand why people would be upset about trading Johnson now. Uh, but that's my that's my glass half full way of looking at it. Let's see, three, eight. Uh, Weezer will be playing at the Winter Classic. As long as they don't play Africa, I'm okay with it. You know, I don't really... Okay, I know... I know... Uh, I, I've heard a couple of people say that they're really upset about that cover. I don't really get it. Because to me, the their version of Africa is close enough to the original version that I don't feel like it's controversial. Uh, it's not like... Do you remember when... Um, Killswitch Engage did that cover of Holy Diver. Yes. It was Which like, I think was fantastic. I liked it too. I, I mean, granted, you know, I like, like, screamy, hardcore kind of music, you know, from time to time, and I feel like they, they, they took a, a great song, and they, they redid it, they put their own spin on it. Um, I'm kind of of the belief that you shouldn't even do a cover song unless you're gonna change it somehow. If you're just gonna do the exact same song in the exact same style, it's probably not worth it. Um, but that was a controversial cover. I remember, like, all my friend groups were, like, totally divided on whether they liked it or not. They loved it or they hated it. 
And it was always the guys, it was always like the, like the, either the old school metalheads hated it, the guys who, who liked Slayer and Anthrax and uh, Overkill and Metallica and stuff, they, they hated it. It was the, uh, like the scene kids with like the, the fucking, the black hair and like the skunk stripes and the, 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 the pokey wristbands. They're the ones who loved it. <laughs> anyway, so Weezer's going to be playing there. I'm not really sure why Weezer. I think they're from L.A. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it. they have any ties to the Hawks or the Bruins or South Bend or Chicago or Boston, but yeah, I I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking, but at least it's only for one intermission and not two that we have to hear. Yep. Oh, which we keep talking about it. Like we're gonna be at the game, so yeah, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. Um, hopefully not freezing our asses off. Yeah, I. So I didn't get a hotel. I was planning on getting a hotel. Did not get a hotel. My plan is to just drive the, the two-hour trek there the day of. Hopefully the weather isn't bad. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, I Alright, next up, I want to talk about something that is near and dear to the hearts of many hockey fans. And that's Pierre Maguire. Um, and his really interesting random commentary. I want to play a clip for you all of Pierre interviewing Jonathan Taves after a game. That was after the Penguins win, wasn't it? Jonathan Taves. Hey, Pierre. They still love you, Jonathan. That's good. <laughs> it is. That hurts me, physically. It hurts me yeah. physically to watch that interview. I literally cringed when I saw that. I, I think it was after <laughs> the Penguins win. That Yeah, that sounds about right. Um... I think that was, that was their first win after the, the eight-game win streak. Lo- or losing streak. Uh, if only there was an eight-game winning streak. Actually, I don't want that right now. I want Jack Hughes. Um, so, yeah, uh, Pierre Maguire. He hasn't changed one bit. Um, yeah, that was, like, by far the cringiest thing I've seen in a while. It was so bad. Like, you have to watch the video. And just, you have to see Taves' face. yeah. I, it's priceless. I'm sure a lot of them have seen it, but we, um, yeah, Pierre's he's a special case. Uh, and then last item we have here, uh, the Blackhawks loan Henry Yoki Haru. Sorry, Yoki Haru. I always I always screw it up. I know it's Yoki Haru with the two yuz, the the two like soft J sounds, but I always say Yoki uh, Haru or something. Um, the Hawks loan Henry Yokiharu to Finland for the World Juniors Tournament in Vancouver, which means that he's going to miss, I think, like eight games, or like a minimum of eight games with the Hawks, uh, which is an interesting, which I find interesting, because as we said earlier, he's arguably their best defenseman right now, playing on the top pairing with uh, Duncan Keith, uh, and it's you think that maybe. Uh, logic would dictate that the Hawks loaning him out for so long at such a critical point in the season is almost like raising the white flag. Like they're, they've decided to punt the season. They want to, uh, they want to let him focus on his development and, uh, revamping his confidence rather than keeping him here and trying to win critical hockey games. What do you think? At first I was against it. I remember we had a little back and forth texting 
when you mentioned it to me originally. And, yeah, I, I was kind of against it, thinking that it would probably slow his development, but at the same time, like, having thought about it, it probably, if anything, it's going to help his development, so. Yeah, I, um... I like... I, I likened it to when... Uh, in our conversation, I likened it to when I'm playing NHL 18 on pro mode and I'm just not having a good go of it. Like, like, you know, he, he struggled for a little while. I know Carlton was getting a little frustrated with him probably because he had to come in and learn one system and then learn another system. And you know, he's a rookie and he separated him from Duncan Keith for a little while. So we had different playing partners. It was, it was rough. He had, he had a rough, like, uh, like November, December. Um, but he's still, he's still, I think probably the best defenseman on the team. Um, when you play NHL 18 for a little while on one of those higher difficulties and you're not doing so great, sometimes you got to bump the difficulty back down just a little bit so that you can continue focusing. So you can you can you can relearn the fundamentals and you can uh, uh, like you know get the get the core uh, get your core skill set back in order before you uh, iron everything out and like try to jump back into doing like the crazy like uh, like the toe drags and the 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 stick lift deeks and all those things. I don't know that was my my shitty analogy, but yeah, I'm I'm pro loaning Yoki Haru to Finland. Um, I I'd, I'd say that the one thing I really have against it is when he is playing with another team. Uh, in another league and he's not he doesn't have uh the team's doctors and the the team's coaching staff there then you know you don't want him getting hurt when he's not on your watch yeah uh, if that's the biggest concern I, I would think yeah if if he does get hurt you want your doctors there you want you want to make sure that uh you can have control over the situation uh if he gets hurt on, you know, Finland's watch, then you don't, you don't really know how well it's handled. Uh, there's some, there's an opa there's some opacity there. Um, but you know, I, he's, he's playing at a lower level in the, uh, the world juniors tournament. He's playing with lower level contemporaries. It's not like, it's not like it's a huge pressing concern. It's not like it's an inevitability. We probably have nothing to worry about, <clears throat> but I think it'll be good to uh, let him get his, get his confidence back. Playing against guys his own age kind of remind him how far ahead of the curve he really is. And that's all I got. That's all I got. Um, that's it for this week's episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am Luke. Abe has been Abe. You can tweet at us on Twitter at uh, SweaterPod. You can tweet at me. At Luke Stanberry. Uh, let us know if you have any questions, concerns, remarks, criticism, feedback. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Google Play Music, or uh, uh, Google Podcasts rather, uh, please give us five stars or ten stars, whatever the star system is. Please give us a uh, a 100% rate us. It helps. Uh, it helps us uh, get get more views get our name out there, retweet us, follow us, all that stuff. 
Uh, we will see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.